Welcome back, everyone, to Drunk Bible Study Bonus Edition. This is the penultimate episode for... Penultimate? Penultimate. Penultimate. I want to make... It's a mint that is... A brand a, of mints, yeah. I don't know. Penultimate. penultimate. That's cute, yeah. Yeah. It's like the... You never get the last mint. Yeah, there's always just uh, yeah. the penultimate mint. <laughs> only the second to last mint. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's always going to be one left. It just keeps regenerating. They, they'll come in like a container where yeah. there's one mint that's sort of trapped in the corner mm-hmm. so it won't ever pour out of mm-hmm. the little tin, you know? So that's, yeah. everything's always I like the that. penultimate. It's cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow, we've been through a long journey with Ezekiel. And today I wanted to talk a little bit about Ezekiel 44 and the Levites, because we had this interesting conundrum of the Levites being ever-present and ever kind of uh, allowed to do what they want, in, in essence. I don't know. <laughs> okay. they, it's interesting to me because so many people are punished for such kind of arbitrary reasons, just, mm, it, you know, seemingly sure, nothing. Yeah. It happens and and they and boom, boom, like they get struck dead or something along those lines. But the Levites are allowed to go and worship other gods and turn away from God and worship false idols. And then God's like, yes, you're bad people, bad, bad, bad. But we're going to give you a really terrible punishment. And guess what that punishment is? They're not going to be allowed to come near God or the sacred offerings, and they're going to have to do all the temple chores. Whoa. (laughs) And so, yeah, I was on Uh schmoop.com, which is, yeah, it's really... We've been there many times before, surprisingly. We've been there. It's really cute and fun. So schmoop says this, that the Levitical priest descended from Zadok will get much better, will get a much better deal. They'll be allowed to come close to God and offer him sacrifices. I guess I missed that. But then again, I, I'm not sure. Did you, are you going to talk about clothing, Jace? I'm going to talk about clothing some. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, yes, I, I, will, I will hold off on that for a moment. But this also talks about the priestly bro code, which is, <laughs> okay, <maybe laughs> which is really funny. Hit us with that later once we're talking about clothing. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, something else that I was interested in in these chapters that we looked up today was regarding the prince that they were talking about. It was this question of like, who is this prince? They keep like yeah. referencing a prince, and and I was like, who the heck is that? I don't know. Because before, they've just talked about kings, 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 and now it's all about this prince. So, okay, in the enduringword.com, of course, one of the options is that the prince is Jesus. Jesus. Of course. Really? I thought that was a joke. Okay, wow. No, it's not a joke. (laughs) It's not, because of course it is Jesus. But, okay, another... (sighs) It doesn't make any sense for it to be Jesus. That makes no freaking sense. I know it word. doesn't, but but they're, they've got to they've got to weave it back. They got to weave it back. If you take it to be Jesus, the, the Messiah, and some that he is a civil leader or high priest, that's an interesting interpretation. A high priest or a civil leader, yeah. And then this says the fact that the prince must offer a sin offering and has sons means that it is unlikely that it is Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, no shit. Um, <laughs> but it also says in this that they're saying that maybe it's David. 
which makes which makes my head spin a little bit because I'm like, wait a minute, hmm. is this happening before David? No, this is no. definitely after David. Not at all. I don't know. Yeah, it says. As like for the, the David prince, of our hearts? I don't know. It's like, <laughs> as for the prince, Ezekiel wrote of a ruler, a prince, who would have special privilege regarding the gate. And that's, I think, the gate. It says, as for the prince, because he is the prince, he may sit in and eat bread before the Lord. He shall enter by way of the vegetable of the gateway and go out the same way. So he doesn't have to go out like one way and then go in the north and leave the south way or whatever. He can go out the same way. And it says, Ezekiel wrote of a ruler, a prince, who had special privilege regarding the gate. This ruler is likely David, whose future over Israel is mentioned several times in Ezekiel and elsewhere. And it says in Ezekiel 37.25, it is specifically written that David would be prince over Israel. And I'm like, it is? (laughs) Did you go back and check that one? Right. I mean, I know no, I didn't. I totally didn't. But I was like, "What?" We've mentioned David several times and talked about him being prince over whatever. Yeah, and, but I thought it was just like a callback, right? It's in the same way that we talk about like Gad doing something or Jacob doing something. It's like not actually Gad or Jacob or whoever else. It's their line. Well, I don't know. At the yeah. best, right? Is is their line? But like, oh, I just want to like. Oh, I'm sorry, Emily. I've I've really having some feels about this. Okay, that's fine. I also I worked out yesterday and I'm kind of sore, so I'm just I got a lot of. Oh, I see. You're like being <laughs> super like testosterone right now. Right, right, totally. <laughs> testosterone, just, the San Francisco treat. My yeah, my my Sharona, my Sharoni, my <laughs> testosterone. <laughs> My testosterone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to go to to wherever these enduring word people are and like flip over Shake their them. tables yeah. and like smash down all of the, you know, money changing they're doing in the temple and be like, what the F are you talking about? This is not, you're just talking nonsense. None of what you say makes sense. Get with the program. Like, Let's be real here. I don't know. Stop it. I don't know. I just, I just want them to stop it. Anyways, that's what I found regarding this. I have other stuff that maybe will come up in yours, just So why don't you go? Do you want to talk about clothes? Okay. Yeah, totes. Let's do it. Clothes. Oh, yeah. The like sweaty or non-sweaty clothes. Yeah, yeah. sweaty or non-sweaty clothes. So, so the first thing that I came across here that was kind of interesting uh, was... So someone asked a question on the hermeneutics stack exchange. As, mm, as, as they I do. Love as I love to check. And they were kind of like, hey, what's the deal between this difference between Deuteronomy and, um, or I'm sorry, Leviticus and then Ezekiel? Yeah. And this one was kind of interesting is that someone mentioned here, and I, I haven't like verified this elsewhere, but I did think this was interesting to think about, was that they were saying that the, so the ephod, that we learned about, which was kind of that like vest thing that like, the priest like the would apron. wear. Yeah, yeah, the jeweled apron. Yeah. With the apron-y vest thing. Uh, that that was made of wool. Oh. And so they were kind of clarifying that back in the day, even the like undergarments, like the tunics and whatever were made of linen. And then this outer ephod was made of wool. Mm-hmm. And that that was, and so that's consistent. They're basically make, making the argument of like, no, this isn't a change. This is just kind of reiterating that all the stuff touching their skin, that's linen, so that they're not too hot, so they're not sweating. Okay. And that, and that, but but there's still like wool involved in the outfit 
Uh, so I just thought that was kind of an interesting mention. But in trying to look into this further, I came across this word. I'm curious if, if either of you have heard of this. It's shatnez. I don't. Shatnez. I know. I doesn't ring any bells. No. Okay. So shatnez or shatnez, depending on your pronunciation of it, is a word for cloth that contains both wool and linen woven together. Oh, interesting. So mixed, but we're not supposed to do that. Well, it's so much more complicated, as are so many of these ancient like rabbinical laws and stuff like that. So yeah, basically, shatnez is even by some like modern clothing manufacturers, things will be labeled as non-shatnez oh. to clarify like this doesn't disqualify you. Basically, wow. like that this is okay to wear. And so in looking into this, it's wild. So basically like the word itself just means that it's like mixed together fabrics. Mm -hmm. Like the the word in modern Hebrew just means mixture, basically. And what's, what's wild about this is looking into the specifics of what defines something as being wool Mm -hmm. and why this might have been a thing in the first place. So in terms of why this might have been a thing, one explanation that comes from some anthropologists and like ancient Jewish teachers and stuff like that is the idea that that linen comes from a plant and it's a, a, like an agricultural economy such as that of Egypt, while wool is a product of animals that live in the desert like sheep that they would have with them. Okay. And so the mixing of them maybe was symbolic of this like intertwining with Egyptian and Right. I think I remember this from a previous bonus okay. where there may, yeah, there may have been this kind of symbolic metaphorical hmm. reason behind not wanting to mix fibers. Right, right, exactly. So here's what's interesting though, is that I think nowadays we have kind of more specific terms for different types of materials and that back then they might have been a little more generalized. And so over time, through uh, you know, through progressive like oral tradition and writings and things like that, they kind of clarified some separations. So, for example, uh, one of those is that like silk was uh, so silk and hemp, which like resembled linen mm-hmm. for a time, were forbidden because they looked enough like linen. Interesting. But then like later on, they kind of changed that and said like, no, we can tell the difference now. So like now those are okay to do. It'd be like raw silk kind of looked like linen. I'm assuming it's, yeah, it's not like the same kind of super fine silk that we might have today. Yeah. Um, And then here's the other thing is that only sheep's wool counts as wool. But you can do wool from other animals, such as rams or camels or hares or goats. You can use their hair to make a wool. Okay. And so if, so basically, if you make a fabric by mixing sheep's wool with those other animal hairs, mm-hmm. depending on the proportion of each, if, if it's mostly sheep's wool, it's counted as wool. And if it's mostly some of those other things, then it's okay to mix with linen. Interesting. Because it's just about wool with linen was like how the, this really? got interpreted over the years. Yeah. I am lost. Okay. So basically it's just, so it's not about mixing fabrics, like the whole law about don't mix your fabrics. It's specifically wool with linen. Huh. That's the prohibited thing. It's fascinating. And so it's just what counts as wool and what counts as linen. And so, so basically this is like if you made a wool blend that's mostly ram's hair, 
or goat's hair and like 30% wool, you could mix that with linen and you're a-okay. But did you get to the bottom of the sweatiness? It seems like that was an important piece. So the only thing I found about sweatiness was from the writings of, um, oh gosh, now I've lost it. I don't remember who it was, but basically just talking about we don't want to be sweaty and it emphasized the loins, which is the sweatiest place. That was what the, what <laughs> okay. the ancient rabbis really latched onto. They were like, this is where sweat happens. We don't want it there. So, so that's where linen's going to go. <laughs> uh, I mean, fair. They're not wrong. <laughs> it it says, yeah, I, so on schmoop.com, it talked about the priestly bro code, which this is why uh-huh. I love this website. It says the priests will only trim their heads and won't shave their heads. Absolutely no dreadlocks in the temple. They won't uh-huh. drink wine in the inner court and won't marry a widow or divorcee. They will only marry a virgin from the house of Israel or the widow of a priest. Or like one of their bro's widows. Okay, I get it. Yes, one of their bro's widows. So yeah, they won't be allowed to defile themselves by going near a dead person unless it's a close family member. Uh, And they do say unmarried sister. But even after that, you need to become clean, wait seven days, and then make a sin offering. And God will be the inheritance of the priests and they'll eat the grain offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering. So of course. Oh, and they'll also get first fruits and the first baked goods. Yeah, classic. uh, Which the people give, yeah. And then they can't eat anything that died by itself or was torn. So yeah, priestly bro code. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Dedeker, I found this quote for you. So this is a translation from the Talmud. And it, uh, this interpretation of not girding themselves with anything that causeth sweat is, quote, they shall not gird themselves around the bent of the body where sweat effuses most. <laughs> the bent? <laughs> the bent, bent of the body, like the yeah, waist, I guess. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, it makes bent. me think so of really... like a Barbie doll or a Ken doll. The <laughs> yeah. one place that bends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> right there. Wow. Yep. Yep. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, my God. Goodness. So basically, kind of, kind of what I gathered from this is like mixing fabrics, there's some specific rules, but then also it's that it's okay to wear wool over linen, but if they're sewn together, that's the problem. Hmm. And so it's just this, it's this wild thing. It's this wild thing. But would you, okay, here's the thing though, in that day and age, would like, would you ever even have reason to sew together wool and linen? Because yeah. wouldn't your whole thing be when it's hot in the summertime, I wear linen, and when it's colder in the wintertime, I wear wool? Makes sense to me. And so, why would you ever blend those things together? Well, I'm glad you asked because there is this thing called techelet, which is this blue or tur- turquoise dyed wool that would get sewn in to like the priestly garments. It's like to be more beautiful and fancy. Mm-hmm. And that's something that there's been some division where it's like some, like the Kabbalists are like, yes, you must do this fabric and like intertie it together with your wool and your linen. And then other sects are like, no, don't do it because that's mixing fabrics. I think it was like a fanciness thing, maybe in certain things, like a design deal. Mm-hmm. And then here's the thing. So what I found in this, this I just want to leave you with, and maybe we'll visit this more in the future. But I learned about the Karaites. So the Karaites is a specific sect of Judaism huh. that ignore the Talmud. They're like, nope, the Torah is it. That's, that was the last message. All this oral tradition we've done for hundreds of years, nah. Nah, man, we got to just go back and try to interpret 
the the Torah itself. Wow. Those are the rules. Um, specifically doing a little bit of what we try to do on this show, which is to look at them and try to be like, not just how we would literally translate them, but what would they mean to those people at the time? Kind of this like, what is a reasonable understanding of what that meant to those people at the time? But like all this right. extra stuff that's happened later, nah, we're just going to try to go back to that. I thought just thought that was interesting because I'd never heard about that before. Hmm. But those are the, the Karaites or the Karaite Jews. Well, what I like, I looked up the Tekelech that you were talking about, like that blue dyed thread that gets woven into the tzitzit, into the prayer shawl. And I just like the fact that the dye was originally sourced from this like sea snail that was called the Chilazon. The Chilazon? Chilazon. <laughs> it's like a Pokemon name. That's, I know. That's my favorite <laughs> part of all of this, the Chilazon. <laughs> wow. Boy, oh boy. Okay, well, I'm going to bring us something different in the form of some CCM inspired by the songs, Alrighty. which we all love. Yeah. Yes. Now, so Jace is going to play the first verse and chorus of this particular song. I will say, I thought for sure that this song was dead to me. This was completely (laughs) scrubbed from my memory. If no one had reminded me of this song, I would have completely forgot that this song existed. Now that I've been reminded of this song, it's it's in there. It's alive and well. I sang this song so, 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 so many times this is, growing up. And this is surprising to me because I listened to this when you sent me this link to play and I've never heard this before. So that's weird to me, right? Like, Well, I guess my church was more up to date than yours was. Ooh. Wow. Maybe. It's <laughs> entirely possible. Those are some fighting words. So, goodness. This song, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it uh, afterwards, but this song is called Better Is One Day based on Psalms 84 by Matt okay. Redman. Okay, here we go. Okay. My soul longs and even faints for you. What a line. What a line. My yep. soul faints. So- it's like a lot of people singing this. But that one lady's closer to the mic. Okay, okay. I'm ready for a chorus. Better is one day in oh, your yeah. house. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts. So now I'm starting to sort of self-gaslight and be like, maybe I have heard this, but also maybe it sounds like every other CCM song ever ever written. Exactly. That's the thing, right? It could sound like literally any other CCM song (sighs) that you heard. In your lifetime. So it's not like it's a good song, but it's still stuck in there. In your head. It's still in there. In my head. Yeah. Saying that so many times. Emily, is it weird to you to think of me and or Jace (laughs) being in this world? (laughs) Although, I mean, Jace I've seen like at a church and seeming very confident and normal. Whereas I was at that church with him and was not either of those things. I was just like, I'm like, will you tell me what to do? Will you make sure I don't look like a, a dumb dumb? Like, please, thanks. <laughs> it's, it's, 
So that was basically uh, what happened. And it was so funny to me too, because this church that Emily came to was like the most liberal, hippy-dippy, not churchy church yeah. ever. <laughs> it still was a place of worship in God. So No, I know. And that's like, it's it's just, it's such an interesting perspective for me that for you, it felt that same way, even though to me, it's like, whatever. Like, no one cares here. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's just a, such a different culture that that some of us got raised in. Indeed. Yeah, very mm-hmm. much. Very much. So I, I was trying to research the history of this particular song. I couldn't find a ton necessarily. Um, just it was written by Matt, Matt Redmond. Did you find when he wrote it? I... Th- when our good buddy Matt wrote this? I would be willing to guess mid-2000s. Because I, I think that might have been... I think it was too late for me. That's why we didn't sing it in my churches. Because you're, you're a little bit younger than oh, me. So, yeah. Yeah, so it was like super hot hmm. when yeah. we were singing it. Yeah, okay. that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, I'd say late 90s, probably early 2000s. Yeah. So here's the deal. <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole, as I am wont to do, in these bonus episodes, I found a Christian song review site called the Berean And I think this guy is trying to be like the Bechtel test. Okay. A little bit. Oh, wow. Okay. Where basically he takes all of these songs, both Christian and also secular songs, but still that have Christian themes or okay. themes about God. And he rates them on all of this different criteria. One of them being... What message does the song communicate? It gives them a score, 10 out of 10. Uh, Two, how much of the lyrics line up with scripture in particular? Okay, okay, sure. Like how much are they one-to-one with like, this is what, okay. Yes. Yeah. Three, how would an outsider interpret the song? Okay. Uh, Cool, 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 cool. Am I supposed to say? (laughs) Now, Now, and he clarifies, this is because the fact that there are so many not like particularly Christian songs where it's that girlfriend or God oh, yeah. dichotomy where an outsider could hear the song and think, oh, this guy's just singing right. about his girlfriend right. as opposed to God. And so you get dinged points if yeah, there's okay. ambiguity cool, cool, there. Cool. Yes. Dinged points. And then okay. number four, what does this song glorify? So, you know, what does this song focus on? And then number five, which is, is this appropriate for corporate what? worship? Now, I, I, and he gives that, he doesn't give that a 10 out of 10 score. He gives that a yes, no, or perhaps what? score. And it took me a little digging to figure out what the heck he means by corporate worship. And what he means by that is essentially, would this be appropriate to play in a worship service where people could sing along to? Corporate um, worship and that, means sing along ability? Sing-along ability, yes. What? Yes. Now, he does a breakdown on his website about recommendations for corporate worship where he's asking himself, does the song proclaim to God his value and his worth? You know, he's saying, so some, some songs are inspirational. They call us to do or believe things, but they aren't focused on praising God. So is it God-focused? Okay. Two, is the musical style palatable to the ears of its listeners? <laughs> That's a question and right there. he goes on to... 
Well, he goes on to say most people don't want to worship with heavy metal, country, or rap slash hip hop music. Oh boy, this guy has already really alienated himself from a lot of people here. That's, you know, and then asking questions of like, does the song contain theological errors or is it, is it clear? You know, are the lyrics clear? Boy, boy, I would have a field day with that question with a lot of songs. Does it contain theological errors? Who boy. Yeah, this and this website, let me tell you, I could spend hours on this website because he has a whole index of all kinds of songs and mostly it's CCM songs, but it does include like, there's an Avril Lavigne song on there that happens to mention some God stuff. There's some DC Talk songs on there and it's just really interesting to see how this guy reviews all these across all those different metrics. Um, I did visit his about page to read his testimonial and I feel bad. I don't want to make fun of the guy. I don't want to crap on him. After some things he said so far, I don't feel bad about that, but maybe you're a nicer person than I am. Well, okay, but when he... When he explains his testimony, it's the very typical, uh, I think, my experience of growing up in the evangelical in evangelical church where there's so much evidence on or so much emphasis on your right, testimony, right. Mm-hmm. essentially to convert other people to Christianity. But like if you've been a Christian your entire life, you don't have this very pat, neat, uh, I was a drug addict and then I found Jesus and he turned my life around. Or <laughs> Is that what they want you to say? Yeah, basically. Well, what they want you to say is essentially what this guy has written, which is, I grew up in a Christian home, but when I became a teenager, I started to live for myself, doing whatever my wicked heart uh... desired. But I was still a Christian, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the same. Like, evangelicalism is what? so... The engine behind evangelicalism <sighs> really? is being able to tell a good story, a good redemption story. And that's hard to tell when you've been raised a Christian. He also drops some references to driving to his then fiance's house, which I'm like, yes, you were raised evangelical Christian for sure. Um, Anyway, I I could really dive... There's a lot to unpack there. I could dive a lot deeper into his um, biography, (laughs) but I don't want to. Y'all can go check it out if you go to thebriantest.com if you're really interested. But Gracious. That's what I got. Sorry, did he rate this song? He did rate the song. Yes, that is how I ended up on the site. What so, is the so, rating? So, hold on. so of the five categories, each one's a one, a, a one to ten, and then the last uh, yeah. one is a yes, yeah. no, maybe. Can we guess the yes. score and see if we get it right? Oh, sure. So, so remind I, us. Honestly, I have no, I have no <laughs> idea how how to rate this song. So, why don't you rate remind it? Remind us of the categories. Okay, as we so go. yeah, categories. So, first one is what message does the song communicate? Okay, I mean, yeah, it's about like worshiping and stuff. So I'd say he'd give this a high score there, like a, a nine. Yeah, he, he gives it a 10. Out 10 out of 10. 10. Okay, great. Okay. Wow, 10 out of 10. Yeah, number two, how much do the lyrics line up with scripture? Uh, yeah, 10 out of 10 for sure. It's right out oh, of yeah. the psalm. Yeah. Yes, for sure. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, how would an outsider interpret the song? Emily can weigh in on this. Yeah, outsider. Um, I just was hearing like a bunch of like Jesus-y things coming at me <laughs> okay. and I was like, whatever. So, but but would you think he might have been singing about his girlfriend? Uh, wait. Yeah, was he maybe actually singing about his girlfriend's court? <laughs> spending a day in his girlfriend's court? No, it definitely felt Jesus-y. Okay. It definitely felt God-esque to me. So 10 out of 10? For sure. Yeah, 10 wow. out of 10. Okay. Okay, Sure. Uh, what does this song glorify? I mean, it's God. God. Yeah, yeah, court. yeah. It's 10, 10 out of 10. 10. And corporate 10 worship? Out of 10, and then corporate worship? Yes. Yes. 
answer wow. is yes. perfect. So Marks this is, for this beautiful uh-huh. piece of music. Wow, that's giving it a lot of credit, <laughs> but I'm, whatever. If you want, sure. Oh, Wowza. boy. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, there you have it, folks. Gracious. This is the pinnacle of music right here. You've just heard it. I don't know about this. Is, it doesn't get any better than this. Whatever. If you want it, yeah, sure. Sure. Whatever. Sure. <sighs> wow. Okay. Well, that was a fun time. Um, next week, we're going to come at you with a quiz. I always get nervous for quizzes. Oh, yeah. oh, you yeah. know, I wasn't like an amazing standardized test taker, but this isn't a standardized test and we have help. So I shouldn't feel that worried about it. It should be okay. Um, we'll see you all next week. Final episode of Ezekiel. Oh. Wow, here we are. Alrighty. Bye. Bye.